The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the Ben and Shack on Gallifrey without a zip code, it's Doctor Who, Pachak. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 321. This is Louis Trapani, and I'm your host for this evening, or this afternoon, or this morning, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. All time is relative, after all. Well, Happy New Year. This is the first podcast that's recorded in 2015, not the first one released in 2015. But I hope you are having a good new year. And well, you know, so far for for what little of the new year you have uh, experienced so far. So, uh, yeah, I'm, this is Louis Trapani, and I'm doing this solo because my schedule has been so much in flux lately. Um, but I think it's um, settling down and I think it's uh, normalizing, if if you could say that. So um, hopefully we'll schedule another studio show with um, with Dave and possibly Ian and um, maybe some other surprise people. You never know. So uh, something to look forward to. But uh, this show is really a feedback show because we have accumulated some feedback over the past few months while we were doing live shows. And those uh, recorded feedbacks never got onto the live shows because some... Um, they weren't live. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of hard to do a live show. Well, it's not hard to do, but it's it might not be proper to do a live show with recorded um, content. You know, well, of course, we play clips and all that. That's recorded. But, I mean, the feedback is always live during the live show. So so there's that. Uh, first, let's, uh, let's tackle some news. We have some Doctor Who news coming your way, coming our way, coming, coming this way, coming that way. Well, let's... Forget about which way it's coming. Let's get into it. Uh, unfortunately, news is that Netflix is dropping Doctor Who soon. Uh, and um, Netflix is, if you're not, well, I, I was going to say, if you're not familiar with it, but is there anyone not familiar with Netflix? It's a, it's a streaming video service. Uh, it's originally was uh, started out as a uh, CD, not a CD, a DVD service. And I'm assuming that part of the business is still in, um, you know, you still can rent physical discs from Netflix, but uh, now their main focus is streaming video content, and among that was uh, Doctor Who and Torchwood and um, Red Dwarf and um, some other shows as well from uh, originating from the UK. And unfortunately, uh, word is that these shows are coming to an end on Netflix. This is happening on the end of the month, the 31st of January, 2015. Uh, other shows, including, as I said, Doctor Who, other shows inc- include Faulty Towers, Coupling, Black Adder, Top Gear, House of Cards, uh, among others that are um, 
are expiring, and it's expiring because of their contract, um, I guess, was not renewed with Netflix, and therefore these uh, BBC programs are unfortunately leaving Netflix. So whether or not they can renegotiate and um, get them back, I urge you to contact if you're if you're a Netflix if you're a Netflix subscriber, I urge you to contact them and urge them to um, to see if they can renegotiate it if that's possible. I'm not sure the details of the expiration of um, you know of, of this contract expiration. So uh, normally one would you know you would think normally one would try to renew such a thing, but you know sometimes um, um, there are other stipulations. So. Uh, you still, there's, as far as I know, there's still going to be Doctor Who content on iTunes and Amazon Prime. Um, though, if you, if just a note, because I, I did see some spattering across social media about people jumping to Amazon Prime, which, which is fine. But just realize the new content, you know, like um, the next series of Doctor Who, Peter Capaldi, will not, will, I mean, will be available through Amazon, but it won't be included in Prime. In other words. Um, um, I think after the after the new series, um, you know, give a year or so, then it gets included in, in Prime, where you can stream it on Prime without any additional uh, cost. But otherwise, you can pay for the series or per episode and get it through Amazon that way, just as you do with iTunes. So uh, just to clear up a little uh, possible confusion out there from for some people, perhaps. It's 2015, and it's an anniversary year for many things Doctor Who, uh, including the Gallifreyan Embassies hitting its 30th anniversary this year. This podcast is 10 years old this year. We're in our 10th year right now, so this is also Mark's 10 years since Doctor Who returned to television in uh, 2005, March of uh, 2005 or 2005. Doctor Who came back with Christopher Eccleston as the Doctor, and um, then it's been going ever since. So that um, brings us to speculation of whether or not there'll be some sort of 10th anniversary, if you will, for Doctor Who. And how can you, you can't really have a 10th anniversary after the 50th anniversary? The 10th anniversary is back in 1973, when we had the three Doctors. If this is all one show... As I think it, I'm assuming this is what it's meant to be, even though the series and season numbers have restarted and and just causing a lot of confusion. So, but I think it's going to just be even more confusing by having two 10th anniversary specials, if that's the case. Now, Russell T. Davies was the um, obviously the the showrunner, the producer of the t- at the time when the series came back. He spearheaded the show coming back to television. And the BBC had contacted him about doing something for the 10th anniversary. Um, Now, he says, um, quote, I don't know what they imagined, a talk, a convention perhaps. I just said no, to be honest. A program can't have its 50th anniversary and then its 10th. I think it's just confusing. It's marvelous and glorious. Let it carry on, end quote. And I have to agree with Russell T. Davies. You know, it's already had its 50th anniversary. Really doesn't need 10th unless, the, you know, what some people call New Who is really a different program, you know. And it's not, it's not the same continuation of Doctor Who as we've been led to believe. So I think it already had its 10th back, back in 1973. Now, you may disagree. They could, 
they could do something, you know, I don't know what, but they, it, but I just don't think it should be called a 10th anniversary special or I don't know. They, there's just some sort of acknowledgement maybe in the show, um, you know, nod, a wink, you know, uh, sort of like what they did in, um, for the 25th anniversary where, you know, it just, uh, well, I don't know. I don't even know if it's even that's needed, but, um, so Russell T Davies won't be coming back. Um, apparently he's asked every year by Stephen Moffat to come back and write, but um, he's he's moving on. He has another show that's in the works. Uh, I think it's a it's Cucumber Banana, I think it's called, and that's going to be shown on Channel 4. Um, starting, uh, I don't know when, but sometime in January uh, of this year, 2015. So um, something else to catch. It's not, it's, it's not a science fiction series. It's Similar to Queer as Folk, which is another Russell T. Davies series that deals with relationships of gay characters. And um, that's, uh, again, coming later this month. I don't know exactly when. So, yeah, March 26, 2005, marks the return of Doctor Who. And um, so you can um, have your own celebration come March 26th of this year. Uh, you know, fire up some Christopher Eggerson episodes and enjoy enjoy the anniversary. But I, I don't really think it needs to be anything that's... I don't think we needed uh, a special or anything like that for it. But, um, but who am I? <laughs> a new biography is on deck for Anthony Antley. It's called The Man Behind the Master, the biography of Anthony Antley who's uh, known to play um, the master in Doctor Who in the 1980s. Uh, he has a long, prolific career that um, spans many different things, um, not, you know, just Doctor Who, of course. Uh, you know, uh, for those sci-fi fans out there, you may recognize him in, um, in other science fiction roles, such as uh, In the Land That Time Forgot. So, but he's done a lot more. This is a, um, a biography by Karen Louise Hollis, and it's available from Phantom. It's, it's Phantom Publishing, that is. And you can pre-order it on the Phantom website, uh, which will be exclusively through uh, through Phantom through, um, from May 2015. Sometime later this year, we'll see its trade release. And now, without further ado, let's get to your feedback on what you had to say while we were doing our live episodes of Doctor Who Podshock. <laughs> Scientists say that the freak conditions are due to slight fluctuations in the Earth's gravitational pull. Fluctuations that apparently only happen once every thousand years. Here's what our cameras in Hawaii saw. <laughs> I love humans. Well, we seeing patterns in things that aren't there. Uh, come along, Doctor. We'll take a stroll round the ground, shall we? Uh, <clears throat> awfully sorry about this. Do excuse me for a moment. You've had this place redecorated, haven't you? Hmm, don't like it. Come along, Doctor. You've redecorated. Yes. I don't like it. Not entirely convinced myself. I think there should be more round things on the walls. I used to have a lot of round things. I wonder where I put them. You've redecorated. Yes. I don't like it. You've had this place redecorated, haven't you? Hmm. Don't like it. Greetings and salutations, Podshock. Just a few observations about Series 8. 
Episodes 1 and 2. First let me say I really like the new opening title sequence. During season 7, one major disappointment for me was episode 10, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. Because quite frankly, I expected more of the spectacle when its engine exploded. As a skeptical Ian Chesterton put it, Let me get this straight. A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard, it can move anywhere in time and space? Yes. Quite so. But that's ridiculous. To that I would add, something as sophisticated as a time machine would likely have far more moving parts than a mechanical wristwatch. The first few seconds of the new opening credits took me back to the center of the TARDIS. But that memory soon vanished. Without a doubt there's more clockwork TARDIS in the opening credits for the new season, than in the whole of Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. I thought the signature tune for the Matt Smith era was age-appropriate to his generation, I believe the same is true of the theme for Peter Capaldi's Doctor. The highlight of Deep Breath for me was that the Doctor was back in action. The low light was without a doubt the out-of-proportion T-Rex. I appreciate how Dave attempted to explain it. But his explanation doesn't work for me. It presumes that a normal T-Rex swallowed the TARDIS in the first place. I just don't see how that would be possible. Moving on, it's always interesting to witness how the Daleks return. This aspect of episode 2. Into the Dalek, didn't disappoint, but the story has an abrupt ending. It would have been more compelling had we seen the Doctor and his companions actually emerge from the Dalek. After falling into and then climbing out of a feeding tube full of liquid protein. The Doctor and company crawl through, decontamination tubes, and while I acknowledge the Doctor indicated the tubes were hot. How is it that seconds later everyone emerges from the tubes looking as though they just arrived on set, fresh from makeup, not a hair out of place? One of Doctor Who's strong points has always been well-crafted stories. Bad continuity can ruin good storytelling no matter how well the story is written. Seasoned fans can overlook such an obvious fluff, but to a newcomer the same may not be true. Even so, I'm liking the new season a lot and look forward to more. That's all for now. Until next time, keep producing the best Doctor Who podcast out there. Happy travels from Blue Box Bill. Thank you, Blue Box Bill. It's good to hear from you again. Well, I have to agree. I think the uh, the T-Rex in, um, in Deep Breath really was exaggerated in size, and we concluded, we speculated that it was done for cinema reasons since uh, Deep Breath was going into the theaters, and I think it was uh, competing with films, you know, such as... Uh, I, well, not competing at the same time, but uh, recent films such as uh, Godzilla and, um, you know, everything sort of uh, big on the big screen. I, I guess maybe that's why they decided to make it exaggeratedly large. But, yeah, I wish, um, you know, that wasn't the case and maybe they could have um, could have done things a little differently with that. But it wasn't a deal breaker. I mean, it was, you know, one of those things that I sort of cringe at. And Doctor Who, and um, and move along. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but yeah, and thank you. Um, we do, um, you know, we, we we made a mention of that in our review, and um, it's just one of those things. Uh, also, um, I agree with um, Interdalic. The ending was 
probably the weakest part of the story. It just um, seemed to conclude very quickly. And, um, you know, some of the points that you had made uh, apply as well, you know, as far as um, it would be nice to see them actually emerging out of the Dalek. And um, it just seemed like the the last, I don't know, five minutes of that or story or wherever long, however the, long the ending is, just seems to uh, be very compressed. And it would have been nice if, um, if that was um, extended, you know, um, if if they maybe had emerged a little earlier and could have had a a longer ending to uh, wrap the story up. But as always, well, thank you for your feedback, Bill. And I, I know we're going to hear more from you in this episode. So, but let's uh let's tune back into our feedback and see what others have to um had to uh, say while we were on our you know doing our live shows. Hi, this is Joe in Los Angeles, and just wanted to give a little feedback about the Doctor Who World Tour in Mexico City. Uh, I went over there for that weekend, got there just a couple hours after the BBC people arrived, and I have all the Doctor's autographs, so my goal was to complete that collection. So me and my girlfriend took taxis all over the place trying to find them because I know they were taking pictures in front of iconic spots in the other cities they'd been in, but we didn't really have any luck. And then we went to pick up our tickets and ran into some other fans and they had seen them at the Hilton. So we stalked out the Hilton for a while and sure enough, they came up and Peter Capaldi talked to everybody that he could for a while. He talked to me about uh, how he wrote to the first doctor and that he couldn't write back because he was too ill and that his wife, Heather, had written him a letter. Got to talk to Jenna Coleman for a little bit. They took pictures with us, the autographs. Everything was was great. Uh, the next day, went to the show. The fans were super enthusiastic. They're, they're really into the new Doctor Who, mostly. They seem to have limited access to the classic show. Uh, in If you've ever been to Mexico, you know that there's a lot of bootleg merchandise like you'll see you know green bay packer blankets that were obviously made without a license that sort of thing and sure enough in right in front of the doctor who world tour there were people just selling doctor who t-shirts that were homemade doctor who keychains coffee mugs and that's just naming the ones that i bought and there were other things earrings just crazy stuff um and just a mad scene but peaceful and fun no problems it was great seeing the episode in a theater luckily it was in english with spanish subtitles i was a little nervous about that uh, and then of course the three of them got on stage and gave a great talk and and all that and it was a completely worthwhile trip um so far the season's off to a great start so hopefully it continues in that way so thank you very much bye-bye Joe, thank you so much for your feedback. It's been great. You know, we, Joe's been uh, writing and contacting us uh, during his um, trials and tribulations of getting tickets to uh, the, to see um, the, um, the this World Doctor Who World Tour that he's uh, talking about here, and um, it was great. He also sent pictures too, which I'm going to see if we can get up on our website too. They're great pictures, uh, fantastic event, and uh, it was really great that that he got to uh, to got to go. And I know a lot of people, you know, even though it was a, you know, they had several stops across the world, but not everyone could get to them. So I, I know it's, you know, limited on who can get to these events. So uh, 
But yeah, you know what? And it also reminds me that there's a like a docudrama, not a docudrama, a documentary on um, that's included in the uh, the last Christmas package that's available on iTunes when you buy the season quote season um, pass or whatever on iTunes for last Christmas. They included this uh, documentary, which I still haven't seen yet because it was the holidays, and I figured, well, I'll just save that for after the holidays and watch it later so now the holidays are over i can go back and watch it i make joe you might be in it for all i know so <laughs> i'll be looking for you uh, i'm assuming when i say itunes i'm assuming it's also available on amazon and, and other places that uh, i also believe it's um it was included in the series uh dvd and um dvd blu-ray and dvd sets as well i'm, I'm not sure about that but um i i, I believe I, I heard that elsewhere so Anyway, once again, Joe, thank you so much. It sounds like a fantastic time. Um, your excitement was uh, contagious, uh, you know, through uh, your correspondence. So it was great hearing from you while it was all happening. And I'm glad you sent in some feedback to share it with our audience as well. So thanks again, Joe. Deborah Wassling. I played Victoria Waterfield in Doctor Who in the Tomb of the Cybermen. And I'm Fraser Hines, and I played Jamie, Patrick Troughton, the Second Doctor's Scottish sidekick. You seem to be in trouble. I don't know, no. actually. No, no. You don't mean to say you're actually going to help them? Surely not. You can't support these creatures. I think it best. Come on. Have you noticed that Patrick has got a black tooth? I haven't noticed. Mm. That's true. close up. His middle tooth, bottom jaw. Got a dead tooth. Did he always have that? He, he always had it, yeah. Spoiler alert. While watching for the very first time a recently recovered episode, The Enemy of the World, I was reminded of what Fraser Hines said about the second Doctor's tooth, in the audio commentary for the Tomb of the Cybermen. I travelled back in time to Podshock 298 to give it another listen, to learn whether the Doctor's tooth was mentioned. It wasn't, so please visit the Gallifreyan Embassy and have a look at a piece I wrote called The Curse of the Black Tooth, it'll have wobbly set and continuity critics headed to the corner to think about what we've done, myself included. Because this is an audio podcast it isn't possible to share the images which accompany the curse of the black tooth. So again, please visit the site and see for yourself what I'm going on about. I hope you will be encouraged to view the enemy of the world in a whole new way, and to listen to DVD audio commentaries whenever possible. Who knows, you may even gain a new appreciation for the production values of the day. That's all for now. Until next time, keep producing the best Doctor Who podcast out there. Happy travels from Blue Box Bill. Thank you once again, Bill. As Bill had mentioned in that feedback, you can uh, go to thegallifanimacy.org or podshock.net 
and look for that post, that article that he had written. Uh, it's called uh, The Curse of the Black Tooth. And if you haven't seen Enemy of the World, the Patrick Troughton story that was recovered recently, it's available uh, via iTunes or um, or DVD. You uh, you might want to hold off, uh, you know, reading this article. But Bill had has uh, written a comprehensive article, complete with photos, um, um, where he um, goes into the continuity of of this episode, and um, it's pretty interesting. You know, um, uh, Patrick Troughton did have a, uh, a darkened tooth, and that um, they seem to have lightened it um, at times for when he played Salamander. Uh, Pat Troughton, that is, I played uh, two characters in that story without giving too much away. So uh, check it out. If you want the direct URL, it's, uh, well, it's it's kind of long, but it's gallifrandembassy.org slash vortex slash node slash 2723 will bring you to the page. Um, if not, just go to uh, gallifrandembassy.org or podshock.net. Both will bring you to the same site. And you could do a search in the search field for... Uh, the Curse of the Black Tooth. Not to be confused with The Curse of the Black Spot. So, <laughs> But this is uh, interesting nonetheless. So thank you, uh, Bill, for thank you twice. For, once for the feedback and once uh, uh, for this article as well for um, sharing it with uh, others on our site. So once again, that's Curse of the Black Tooth. Um, it's a pretty interesting piece. And it's always great to listen to the commentaries on the DVDs. Um, you know, it's one of the great things about getting Doctor Who DVDs is uh, is listening to the commentaries that are included and some of the bonus features that are included on the disc. So um, once again, kudos to, uh, you know, to, the, to those that, um, you know, put together the DVDs and uh, make this stuff available to us. There are a lot of new uh, original productions for the behind the scenes, like for the bonus features, uh, which is always interesting uh, to see on these DVDs. And, of course, the commentaries uh, that, that will include uh, probably, you know, usually uh, one or two or more of the actors that are in that episode, and sometimes some of the production people as well from, from that particular story that they're, um, that's on, included on the DVD. Hey, Lewis, Dave, this is Kyle. I'm sorry I missed a lot of recording yesterday. I was kind of stuck in a vortex and a little bit of wibbly wobbly little timey wimey going on but i'm driving on the way home now and i thought i would call in and give my two cents of what i thought about the mummy on the orient express uh to start my first thought was wow they had the doctor uh basically be told by clara go away and the very beginning of the next episode here they are together uh, I was happy to see that they addressed that, and honestly, I was happy to see at the end that she decided to stay. As far as the uh, overall of the story, you know, it was not as good, in my opinion, as last week's episode. However, for some reason, for me, it kind of tied everything together a little bit better, which I I really really liked it. I like the fact that we did see Missy again. We did see Danny um, a little bit. But um, one thing I did notice that I commented on earlier today was, you know, the, another robot. Um, you know, I, I still think that we're building towards something. And I have a very good 
gut feeling that at the end of this, uh, by the time we get to issue, not issue, excuse me, by the time we get to episode 12, we will be able to go back and look at these uh, episodes in a entirely, entirely different light. And what popped into my head whenever I was saying that was, go back to Matt Smith's first uh, season, and you go back and you look knowing about the Pandorica, knowing about him going back and seeing Amy uh, when they were in the forest thing with the Weeping Angels, and it you know added a new layer to it. So um, overall, how would I rate the oh how would I rate the episode? Let's see. I would probably give it a good solid 3.5. Again, it wasn't the best, but it wasn't bad. I and one oh one last thing. I really liked the mummy. The mummy looked authentic, and I liked the way the doctor, um, you know, kind of tied everything with it there at the end. Uh, one last thing. I know I said the other one was my one last thing, but this is really my one last thing. And this one last thing is Jelly Baby. Enough said. Jelly Baby. And have a good week. Um, hope uh, everything goes well for you this week, and I will see you hopefully, or not, well, not see you, but get the point. Uh, I'll talk with you next Saturday. So until then, um, fantastic. Alon Z. And one more. Geronimo, have a good one. Thank you, Kyle. Kyle was uh, one of the ones that have been with us with every live show, but there was one episode, one one week which he did miss, which was the week we're reviewing Mummy on um, the Orient Express. So that was his feedback on that episode. Uh, good episode there. There was one other time where he was on hold for so long, unfortunately, um, and he had to run and um, wasn't able to leave his feedback. So I think we'll be hearing from Kyle a little later in this episode, too, on another episode review. So um, something to look forward to there. Seeing the Jelly Babies again was great. I, to my understanding, that was Peter Capaldi's idea, if I'm not um, mistaken. So it was a nice little inclusion there. Uh, the return of Clara, one of... Uh, once again, one of the many false exits and returns of the of this companion, which we've seen before with um, um, with past companions with uh, in the Eleventh Doctor, uh, Amy and Rory um, had left and come back a few times, and uh, and unfortunately it's repeating again now with Clara. Uh, so whenever she does finally leave, it's not going to have the same impact because we've already seen her leave twice before in a sense so um anyway so uh, but you know it's good to, i mean I, I have you know i love jenna coleman and um you know i like the the character of clara though um it's as i expressed in our series wrap up i i hope that um she's not as front and center in front of the doctor uh in the next series um as she was in this series it just seemed like it was um which is which has really been a complaint uh, throughout the many years since uh, the series has come back to television, where um, sometimes it seems like it's the the companion show and, and not <laughs> companion who instead of Doctor Who. All right, well I, I'm not going to go on a soapbox with that.
Today's feedback is in response to Podshock 309 and 310. That pretty well sums up my opinion about Robot of Sherwood. The highlight of the episode was wrapped up in three words spoken by the doctor to Robin. Shut it, Hoodie. Shut it, shut it, shut it, Hoodie. The low light of the episode is an absence of continuity which begins the moment the doctor exits the TARDIS and continues until he and Robin begin to duel. Ignore the scenery, pay no attention to the actors. Just watch the TARDIS doors. Have you actually found Robin Hood? That is not Robin Hood. Well then, who, sir, is about to relieve you of your magic box? Nobody, sir. Not in this universe or the next. Well then draw your sword and prove your words. I have no sword. I don't need a sword. Because I am the Doctor. And this is my spoon. Honor! A number of highlights are to be found in Listen. My favorite new Doctor adventure. In the opening scene, and I might add, at long last, we finally see the Doctor acting very doctorly, thinking out loud, debating with himself. That's compelling stuff. Handled brilliantly by Peter Capaldi. A witty script with clever lines. Delivered by an actor of Peter's caliber, in a setting as fantastic as the TARDIS, that's what makes Doctor Who different from all the rest. On a more serious note, and a little later in the episode, we join Clara, and the Doctor, in the following exchange. You must have been here when you had the dream. Never been to Gosford in my life, and I've never lived in a children's home. You've probably just forgotten. Have you seen the size of human brains? They're hilarious. Little you must be in here somewhere with your little brain. The low light of the episode is that whatever was on Rupert Pink's bed scuttled away and without explanation. What is that? I don't know. Hate not knowing. Excuse me, sir. I regret to say that your guilt has been detected. Hang on. That's the right sound clip, but the wrong episode. Until next time, keep producing the best Doctor Who podcast out there. Happy travels from Blue Box Bill. Thank you once again, Blue Box Bill. And uh, with your critique of the robot of Sherwood and listen. Um, Now... I think you're not alone in your opinion in Robot of Sherwood. I know many fans have expressed um, similar um, appraisals of that episode. Uh, for me, I think what, um, I mean, the, the constant bickering between the Doctor and Robin and the Robin Hood character uh, was a little tiresome uh, watching it initially, you know, and then, um, you know, I understand it, you know, in hindsight, but it just did wear on my nerves a bit, you know, throughout the episode. Uh, but I think the episode for me was saved really by Tom Raleigh, who plays Robin Hood. I think he did an excellent job in the part. Uh, also, Ben Miller, who plays the sheriff in Nottingham. You know, if they ever bring back the master to the series, I think he would be, um, you know, he should be considered uh, seriously 
for that. Oh, oh, wait a minute. They did bring the master back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing with you. You know, I, I think watching it again, there's still you still can find um, stuff of merit in that story in that episode. I, I think it may suffer because it did have to be edited. Um, you know, at the last minute because uh, unfortunately in the news in real life there was a uh, uh, beheadings taking place that was prevalent on the news at, the at that time, and um, so some last minute re-editing on that episode may have impact the overall story. Um, I, you know, it's hard for me to judge without seeing the unedited version compared to the edited version and draw a comparison. But I'm just saying it's a possibility there. From what I know of what was edited out, it does um, alter some of the um, perceived characters, perhaps, um, in the story. As far as listen and, and the what we see in the bed, though, as it was even stated in the episode, the what we see in the bed may be one of the other one of the other kids, one of the other um, kids in the in the children's home that was playing a prank on Rupert. Uh, perhaps you know, and that's the way I see it. Is that it's uh, it's not it's anything supernatural. It's just one of the kids, and they they turn their backs and give him a chance, or give her a chance to uh, to leave, <laughs> and with no questions asked. So uh, that's that's the way I see it. Um, but overall, I, I I thought it was a interesting episode to say the least. Listen. Hi, this is Andrew from Minnesota, a blue, block, blue Box Roadster. Uh, it's been a while since I've checked in. Just uh, wanted to drop some comments. Um, I've made it to uh, episode 148 using my uh, Blue Box time machine, um, going back and enjoying the beginning of Podshock. So, and I really enjoyed uh, episode 100, I must say. Um, Actually, the 100s double episode. Can't wait for 200. Not quite sure I'll make it by the end of the year. Um, Pachucks are just so long, but they're quite enjoyable. Uh, I want to say that I, I've really enjoyed Dave Cooper as he's begun um, giving his input. I hope he continues. No, I have not listened to anything past 148 yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to what the rest of the years bring. I also want to say that I'm listening to 148, as I mentioned, and I'm still waiting for Gillian Anderson to to uh, be a guest on Doctor Who. I know it was mentioned in that episode, and that would be cool, but, um, well, one can cross their fingers. Uh, keep up the good work. I do miss the cover art on the Podshop episodes of you three. I know it's on Gallifrey and Embassy, but um, somehow just going into the Podshock episodes and listening and bringing up your three mugs is just, just, just a brightens my day. So, uh, well, thank you. I'll check in again, hopefully not as long a wait. And um, Kelly, who, um, as a great man once said, I don't want to go, but adios. Wow, you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock episode 148 now. Wow, you are a time traveler. <laughs> I, I I can't even imagine what we were discussing in episode 148, uh, being that this uh, <laughs> I'm recording this feedback in episode 321. Uh, 148 was uh, was a long while ago. Um, you know, we also had uh, a little hiatus with uh, unfortunately because of Superstorm Sandy, 
And um, so there's a, I, I can't even go by the numbers how, how many years ago 148 was. Um, but yeah, I remember, well, first of all, let me thank you, Andrew, also known as um, Blue Box, uh, not Blue Box Bill, but Blue Box, um, oh, I just lost it. <laughs> Blue Box Roadster. <laughs> we have we have too many blue, well, I'm not going to say we have too many blue boxes. We have two uh, people on our site that use that, that handle Blue Box, uh, in, you know, with their username. So, um just uh keeping things um keeping things straight or <laughs> not confusing the two so uh thank you for your feedback yeah now uh yeah Jillian Anderson was a rumor way back in the day that she would be uh um you know guest starring on Doctor Who but that that along with many others you know we probably could put a list of actors that were lined up at one point um in the rumor mill to be on Doctor Who that never were um, including Julian, including um, you know Gill, J- Jillian Anderson, and um, I think Patrick Stewart was among them, and um, I'm sure there's many others, uh, but there, there were there, there have been a few, and uh, it's interesting. Yeah, now if you go back and listen to our old podcasts, uh, some of the rumors and speculations of the day that that did come to be, and some and probably most of them that that didn't come, you know, didn't see the day of light on Doctor Who. So, interesting. Yeah, so, um, Andrew, I don't know when you'll be getting this feedback, when you'll be hearing me responding to your feedback, because, um, let's see, I don't know what episode, you, you're probably in the maybe one one um, 70s now? Who knows? Um, <laughs> but, you know, hey, as we make all those episodes available for you, so if you're enjoying them, all the better. Uh, it, sh- it serves as a little record of Doctor Who fandom as it was happening in the day um, for the last 10 years now as we uh, are celebrating our 10th anniversary this year of Doctor Who Pachak. And again, as I said at the top of the show, it's the 30th anniversary of the Gallifreyan Embassy. Well, we'll, tr- we'll do something special for the uh, this summer for the 10th anniversary of Doctor Who Pachak. Dave is still here, and I'm sure he appreciates your feedback on about um, him. He would actually be here on this uh, recording right now, but um, the past um, uh, the past few weeks, my schedule hasn't been regular, to say the least. So um, I just want to get this show out and uh, to you, to our listeners, and not have me delay it because of um, trying to you know trying to schedule it with other people. Again, it's not their fault; it's it's mine because of. Um, uh, but I think my schedule's now, like I said in the beginning of the show, normalizing a bit. So uh, Dave should be back on next. Well, depending on his schedule, if he's if it's possible, he should be back on on the show. And uh, you know, we may be having some other hosts uh, join the program too. We'll see. Uh, again, it comes down to scheduling. It's it's a trouble with doing a show with multiple hosts is that it uh, becomes a challenge trying to get uh, slotting a time where everyone's available to record at the same time you know and um and dave's been a trooper he's he's in the uk and often he's recording with me in the wee in the wee hours of the night for him uh just to get it done and i appreciate that and uh he goes beyond the the scope of <laughs> what anyone could ask for so i i do dave is great and um you know and uh, uh that's all i can say so so hats off to dave
Today's feedback is in response to Podshock 311 and 312. Time Heist was a welcome change. The opening titles made sense once again. For a time the program seemed as though it had been rebranded as Clara's Clever Companion. Which left me wondering what became of Doctor Who. The low light of the episode was watching a particular pair of creatures walk off into the sunset, looking a little like stop-action carbon copy cardboard cutouts. The highlight of Time Heist was that the Doctor got it wrong about the atomic disintegrators. USB connectors haven't changed much in appearance since they were first introduced in 1996. However in 2014, data can flow through USB more than 625 times faster than back then, and that's set to double with USB 3.1. In other words, size USB cranial connectivity actually makes sense to me. Because first and foremost, it is, universal. I would rather see technology I can identify used with such a plot device than some futuristic gimmick or gadget. Too often when designers create futuristic gimmicks and gadgets, they end up looking very dated in no time. Never trust gimmicky gadgets. Because the doctor often fails to understand human customs, I don't have a problem with his concept of deep cover in The Caretaker. During school reunion, where he was reunited with Sarah Jane Smith, he fit in rather well without wearing a dress, a wig, or sporting a fake mustache. Visual effects are a highlight of the episode. Comments about how this story seemed like a Sarah Jane adventure make sense, because apart from its low light, it did. And in my opinion, the low light was without a doubt, gazing upon the severed hand of the community support officer. That's something you would never see in a Sarah Jane adventure. I saw amazing things out there in space. But there's strangeness to be found wherever you turn. Life on Earth can be an adventure too. You just need to know where to look. Until next time, keep producing the best Doctor Who podcast out there. Happy travels from Blue Box Bill. Now that was uh, Blue Box Bill, not to be confused with Blue Box Roadster. <laughs> hey, we love all blue boxes. <laughs> ones that are bigger on the inside, ones that travel through time and space, and everything in between. <laughs> so uh, thank you again, uh, Blue Box Bill, for your feedback. And, um, you know, I, I think um, I had already commented about, um, you know, about Clara and, uh, well, I should say the companion role because it's not just Clara but um, you know and it, it, the title character should um, <laughs> it should actually have a little more weight in the stories I think at times and uh, you know I think maybe time heist we see a little bit more of that with the once again the doctor um, figuring things out and um, interesting um, 
time travel story there without speaking of blue boxes without the TARDIS I might add during our live show I think Dave and other perhaps other callers um, made a mention of the USB connection on um, you know I think with size head you know remained the same as it was as it is today I mean they could have upgraded to a lightning connection you know but it's all right it's all right whatever Um, (laughs) it's uh it's tech, you know, and um, I, I don't know if it's going to stand up in time. You know, sometimes you will see, uh, uh, you know, some sometimes when they use current technology in, uh, you know, in, in the creation of future technology, it, it sometimes date things as well. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see in time <laughs> what happens when, um, you know, because... Uh, you know, for instance, um, now if you watch like a movie like Alien, where where everything's using a, a CRT monitors on the spaceship, you know the Nostromo, and, and now CRT monitors uh, look so dated compared to flat screen LCDs, you know. And or, um, anyway, but it, it, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, so, sometimes you'll see science fiction and they'll have a audio recorder and it's tape it's a reel to reel you know or or, or use uses uh, cassettes you know use, but it's in assessment in essence it's still tape inside you know and obviously um today we've we've gone past that with uh digital uh recording onto uh solid state um cards and who knows what the future will bring but it's just one of those things that um you know, at some point, it's going to get wrong. It's going to be dated, and that's just the way things are. Now, speaking of lightning, let's uh, let me read some of the feedback we got through email, which isn't recorded. So uh, let me just read out what some had to say. This comes from Ian Kirk. He says, "In the UK, white lightning is a brand of cider. It's strong and cheap, and it comes in a two-liter plastic bottles. That's over four US get pints." Um, and then he uh, he points to a review. Here's an online review. Spoiler: After two pints, he can no longer feel his legs, and um, and he gives a, a URL address for for that, um, which is kind of long to uh, to read out loud here. Anyway, he's referring to the episode of the caretaker where it was mentioned in that story. Was it the caretaker? I'm not sure now. It was a uh, uh, Clara was talking to Danny Pink about uh the courtney woods character i think and uh, i think she was uh made a reference to white lightning drinking white lightning now we got a lot of email after our review of in the forest of the night that's uh when i had questioned dave about sleepovers in museums why the kids were sleeping over in a museum and um, if it was commonplace in the uk and uh, we were inundated with uh, feedback, you know, via email and Twitter and Facebook and whatever, uh, saying that it is common uh, both in the UK and the US and Canada as well. So um, some of the feedback is um, this is a Elaine. Um, this is Elaine of Charlotte had wrote had put down uh, three URLs about museum uh, sleepover programs. And it's very common in the U.S. as well. I guess you don't go to museums often. Uh, Another one from um, 
from Michael Harrison says, hi, you had mentioned that you had never heard about uh, sleeping over in a museum. It's actually a very common thing in Toronto, at least where schools have sleepovers in science centers and museums. Our Royal um, Ontario Museum and the Ontario uh, Science Center do offer such things as school for such things to school trips, uh, families and large groups. And uh, uh, let's see. Um, well, uh, also, we received feedback about concerning that same uh, review, that same uh, live episode reviewing um, um, uh, the forest of the night uh, concerning Mabe or Mave, depending how you want to pronounce her name. Now it's spelled Mabe with a B, but it's apparently it's it's pronounced Mave with a V. It's kind of hard to tell in the episode itself, though. Um, it's it's uh, spelled M A E B H. Um, B as in boy, but uh, evidently it's uh, pronounced V as in Vincent. So it's Maeve, and apologies uh, for those that I um, annoyed with the pronunciation of, of the character's name. But uh, as I said, it was um, I was going by how it was spelled, and um, and as I said, from um, it was it's hard to tell listening to the episode itself, at least for me, if they were saying Maeve or or Mabe. <laughs> anyway, um, but let's put that to rest. And um, we could go to rest. We could take a sleep in the museum uh, and um, get a good night's sleep there. Um, um, yeah, so uh, I won't, won't belabor that any further than I had already done so. We also received an email from a Gary in Houston, Texas. And thank you for sending your email for that. I just um, Actually, it's a rather long email. It's... Um, he compares uh, the return of the master in series three versus series eight, and um, I think because it's it's such a lengthy email, I'm going to save that for another show. Uh, and because we do have more recorded feedback that I want to get to in this episode, and then um, so I, I just want to let Gary know that we did receive your email. It is very interesting, and um, we'll, um, like I said, I think we're going to tackle it in a, in a upcoming um, Doctor Who Pachak where we have a little bit more time because, uh, um, you know, this whole episode has been feedback and this <laughs> this will be half an episode right here. <laughs> All right. I might might be exaggerating that bit, but no, I do want to thank you. And, and, um, and I'm, you know, we will get to this. So uh, let's get, let's get back to some audio feedbacks that we received. Good evening, everybody. It is Monday afternoon, about 3 p.m., and I am calling in my review of Series 8 of Doctor Who to Podshock. I was unable to stay on the call yesterday afternoon, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed that Lewis got everything back straight away with his audio and that we are back on track and ready for Christmas. But if I know anything about Lewis, I have a good feeling that even if he didn't, chances are by Christmas it will be ready. So, um, where do I want to begin? Let's see here. Well, if I didn't just tell you, and I may have, I am stuck in Christmas traffic. So I figured now would be the best time to give a review while I'm stuck in traffic. So, having said that, let's start with Doctor Who Podshot. This is the first Doctor Who Podshock that I have had the honor and the privilege of 
almost, I would say, 75% participating in each of the live shows this season. When I say it is an honor and a privilege, I truly mean it is an honor and a privilege to have been on a call with Dave A.C. Cooper and, of course, Louis Trapani. I want to kind of go back a little bit real quick and basically say what got me started, especially if you're a new listener to Podshock. And I don't want this to sound like a commercial, even though it probably will. Just listen to the old episodes. Go back. Go back to the 2000 whatever series. Go back as far as to the beginning if you want to and read and listen and read the website. Listen to the Podshock and, you know, listen to the episodes and you'll understand why I am as much of a fan of Doctor Who Podshock as I am. But having said that, I thank Lewis and I thank Dave, and now let's get on to the business at hand, which is season or series eight, whichever one you want to call it. Uh, For starters, with Deep Breath, I remember really liking the episode. I love the fact that we had Vastra, Jenny, Strax on there, and I liked Peter Capaldi in the first issue, or first issue, first episode. Unfortunately, at the end, if you'll remember, I did not really like how they turned Clara into the, well, I don't understand who the doctor is. I don't trust you anymore. I didn't really like that. And that set a negative tone. Now, of course, uh, we all said that they were doing that for the audience, and I understand that. But I didn't like it. I I thought that was an injustice to her character. Um, Danny Pink. I did like, well, let me put it this way. Samuel Anderson, I thought, was a fantastic character, actor, but the character of Danny overall, I think he fell short. And what I mean by that is if you would have allowed him, you being uh, Moffat, if he was allowed a full season, maybe a second season, or maybe even a half of a second season to develop as a character, I think Death in Heaven would have made a little bit more of an impact than what it did. Unfortunately, for me, it just felt like the entire season they were shoving the entire relationship with uh, Clara and Danny down our throats. And I just didn't think that overall it felt organic. For, For a little bit, it felt like hey, this is the Clara and Danny show featuring the Doctor. And it that just wasn't, you know, what I would have liked to have seen. The other episodes, there were some good ones. There were some bad ones. Kill the Moon, I personally really liked. I liked Clara's You Go Away, Doctor, or uh, I'll Slap You So Hard You'll Regenerate, or Smack You So Hard You'll Regenerate. That was one of my favorite lines throughout the entire uh, series. Let's see here. The music. I love the new intro. Love the retro look. Uh, Loved how they changed. Used the clock. Used the fan made. Uh, I really liked that. I liked the darker TARDIS interior. Uh, The Doctor's costume one way or the other. I I mean, it fit him. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a scarf simply because we haven't had one. But, uh, you know, it worked. Uh, The Doctor's personality. Yes, it, it, he is a longtime fan. Yes, it did harken back to the older doctors, which, you know, I can get that. I 
you know, I've gone back and forth trying to decide which doctor he reminds me of the most, and I think it's pretty much universal that there is a lot of the first doctor in him. And when I say the first doctor, I'm talking about not the lovable grandfather that he turned into, but the doctor grandfather version that was an earthly child uh, first season up through Susan's departure. So um, does that? what does that mean for Series 9? I think that means that we may see him mellow out a bit uh, if, you know, he's holding true to the um, Hartnell era, which another Hartnell era, uh, or era, not error, uh, would probably be that the fact that you had two semi-companions, a, a younger person in the TARDIS, so you've got the Susan, Ian, Barbara dynamic all going on a little bit at once there. So, um, what else? Um, Death in Heaven, and of course, we could not talk about Death in Heaven without talking about my favorite character of the entire series, which would be Missy. Yes, absolutely, 1,000, 1, 100 Gallifreyan percent, I loved Missy. Michelle Gomez did an outstanding part, uh, portrayal of that part. She was amazing. She was, as the doctor would say, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. I hope against hope, against hope, against hope that she does come back next series or the next series or that this was not the one time we'll see um, Missy. Now, I'm almost back to work, so I may need to cut this short, but um, I'll keep going there for a second and talk just a bit about Death in Heaven. I think I'm over the whole idea of let's use the name of the actual story as a little bit of a red herring to throw you off perfect example, the name of the doctor, everyone's assuming, oh my goodness, they're going to reveal his name, and then they didn't. Well, death in heaven, you get there, and quite literally, it was not a death in heaven. It was metaphorical speaking, or the sphere, the data sphere, etc., and so forth. So, um, I did not like the fact that the mistress is Missy, or Missy is the short for mistress. She can't keep calling herself the master now, could she? So I get that, but I think we've been there and done that with the, uh, with the master. We've seen him return. I would have liked for her to have been the Ronnie, simply because we've not seen her again, and I think that was a little bit of overuse of the master. But, you know, be be it what it was, it does pave the way for a potential female doctor in the future, and maybe that's where they were going with that. Um, I really can't think of anything else other than I did not like Clara the way I liked Clara in the last season, and even going back and watching the episodes again, I just did not have that same feel, that same chemistry. It has nothing to do with Jenna Coleman. I think she is an, an amazing actress. Uh, I don't fault her. I don't fault Capaldi. I think this, this was the way that Moffat chose to write this, and you know, be it, be it as it may, I, I guess not everybody can be equally as happy with every season. 
I do, however, like the sadness aspect. I think he was trying to create a little bit of the sad arc. And what I mean by sad arc, if you go back and you watch Donna's season in seri- season or series four, in many ways, that was a sad arc because, well, she died at the end. So, or not died, the Dr. Donna died, and she can't remember each, uh, remember anything, and that's what you get for not paying attention when you're in traffic. So, so I guess since I am back at work, uh, the only thing that I have to say left would be I will see each of you in time and space, and be sure to tune in December, I believe, the 28th, and probably 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via TalkShoe. We'll all be here talking about The Last Christmas, which is, the, of course, the Christmas episode. So until then, Lewis, Dave, it's been a pleasure. I can't wait for the future. And since the future ha- has already happened, we'll see, I'll see you yesterday. Have a good one. Bye-bye. And thank you, Kyle, once again. And I have to say, it's been amazing having you on pretty much every episode of the live series that we did, reviewing each new episode of Doctor Who this past series. It's been a, a, a fantastic voyage. That's not a reference to Into Dalek, <laughs> though it could be. Uh, but yeah, it's you know, Kyle helped out not just by being there and, and calling in and, and giving his um, his reviews and his um, you know his take on each episode, but. Uh, if you haven't experienced one of you know being on our live show, uh, if you go to talkshow.com and you participate that way, there's a live chat that goes on as well. So uh, you know he helps out in the chat as well, and um, he's been posting the the overnight figures and uh, the viewing figures that is the ratings, and um, so he's he's been very helpful. And, and thank you, Kyle, for that. It's uh, and also it lends Doctor Pachak some continuity between. Um, you know, through our, throughout our reviews by having, um, you know, some of the regular callers there. Um, you know, that we had um, many people that, that were uh, consistent throughout um, the series of live shows returning back and voicing their, um, you know, their, their reviews and their, their take on each new story. Um, Rice Pudding Brains, a.k.a. Steve, was there many times. Um, uh, was it Dr. Cronotus? And um, well, I'm, I'm not going to name because I'm sure I'm going to leave people out, and I'm going to feel bad. But uh, but thank you all for your continued support to Doctor Who Pachak. Um, it's now it's now been over a year since we've returned after um, unfortunately after been wiped out by uh, Super Superstorm Sandy and having to rebuild. And um, you know, I really appreciate those that have uh, that did return to the show and really helped out and. Um, you know, you know who you are, so I, I'm not going to start naming everyone, but I do appreciate everyone, um, everyone's um, support in that regard. It's been a tough time, so, but it's uh, it's behind us, and we're moving forward, and um, you know, and, and Doctor Who's continued on, and uh, to uh, Kyle's uh, review of Series Eight, uh, I, th- I think we're pretty much uh, fairly much pretty much fairly on the same page as it was. Um, I do agree that Michelle Go- Gomez did an excellent job. Portraying Missy, um, you know, we've seen, I don't know, we, we've gotten to this discussion, this debate before, whether or not this is now, I, obviously this is meant to be a, a, a perhaps, you know, to the, to the screen of, of, of some, you know, um, perhaps the path maybe the doctor may follow as far as um, 
you know, regenerating into, um, um, you know, as a, into a woman or whatever, which I don't have a problem with the doctor being a woman. Um, I just, it's just the regeneration aspect. You see, we, we've seen them, see, as far as this goes, this hasn't really been explained as far as the master and how, she, how the master is now Missy. We've seen the master take over other uh, beings before other, other um, people. So, you know, other bodies, he had reused all his regenerations and, um, he took over Tremos, and that was the um, the Anthony Anley master at that time. So, um, as I said, I, with me, it's it's just I think the series needs to have some some structure because you can with the with the TARDIS you can go anywhere, anytime, and really take you anywhere in time and space. And um, there just needs to be some structure within that to balance out the complete fanciful nature of the show. So, um, so I, you know, the, I think the, you know, the, there should be some consistency, and um, as far as regeneration goes, you know, he, uh, despite what the ninth doctor said just before he regenerated, I, I don't believe, you know, he could regenerate and have two heads or no heads or whatever, or I don't know. There just there, there needs to be something, you know. That's why I get annoyed with the sonic screwdriver being so magical because it shouldn't have it shouldn't be able to do everything under the sun and i don't think um you know that the tartar should be um you know should be able to do everything under the sun either you know uh anyway I, i've gotten to this discussion before so i won't get into it again um but that's just, just my take on it all so um thank you again kyle let's uh let's move on with other feedback and uh once again i do appreciate Kyle, uh, you being there for the whole entire run of our live episodes, it was a it was a good run. All right, so uh, and we, we haven't heard the last of Kyle either. Okay, <laughs> well we we heard the we, I think we heard the last of him in this episode of Doctor Who Podcast, but we haven't heard the last of him in future stories, future episodes because uh, they've already been recorded. No, <laughs> they haven't. Maybe they have. We're, t- we're time traveling. Who knows? When you're listening to this, maybe they have been recorded. Very possible. All right. Enough of timey-wimey. Let's get on with more feedback. Hello, Podshark. Today's feedback is in response to episode 313, in which Kill the Moon was reviewed. The highlight of Kill the Moon was its visual effects. At the top of the list were those creepy crawly spider germs. I just about jumped out of my chair with the doctor's close encounter of the eight-legged kind. Magnificent moonscapes, which included our look at the shuttle as it tumbled into a ravine with the TARDIS on board. All first-rate stuff. A major lowlight of the episode was its questionable science. It takes more than 8 minutes for sunlight to travel to Earth, but just a second for light reflected from the surface of the moon to travel to the same destination, so the effects of the moon suddenly disappearing should be instantaneous. So improbable is much of the science in Kill the Moon, that it makes the infinite improbability drive from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy seem as ordinary as a brown paper bag. The absolute lowlights were Clara's emotional appeals to Earth. The first of which begins with... Hello Earth, we have a terrible decision to make, it is an uncertain decision, and we don't have a lot of time. 32 minutes later she makes the same plea, 
Well, not exactly. Hello, Earth. We have a terrible decision to make. It's an uncertain decision and we don't have a lot of time. If the pleas were different for dramatic effect, it worked. The effect was that it took me right out of the episode. The story went from kill the moon, to kill the continuity. Clara's initial plea to Earth, made at the beginning of the episode, ends, when she says, An innocent life versus the future of all mankind. We have 45 minutes to decide. Seriously? If your decision comes down to choosing between an innocent life versus the future of all mankind, then I suppose the episode ends before it begins. In the show opening call out to Earth, Clara says we have 45 minutes to decide, yet the clock shows during her alternate plea, made 32 minutes into the episode, we have more than 59 minutes. Kill the Moon and Robot of Sherwood are a toss-up for my least favorite episodes of Series 8 thus far with this one just a bit above bottom due to its visuals. I'm not saying that this episode was poorly directed or acted or that anyone turned in a less than credible performance. An actor can only deliver the lines as they are scripted and that's where this episode falls down. Yes, it was an interesting dilemma the story posed, but it would have been both interesting and compelling had more attention been given to details like continuity. Or perhaps citing an example of some other creature that propagates its species in a form that is actually larger than life. In other words, show me the chicken that can lay an egg which hosts a fully grown chicken, and I'll show you the latest wonder of the cosmos. That's all for now, until next time, keep producing the best Doctor Who podcast out there. Happy travels from Blue Box Bill. Thank you, Blue Box Bill, once again. And apologies if your feedback is uh, not exactly in order or in sync with the other feedback. I'm just spacing out your feedbacks with the others so um, so that they're not all lumped together in one or whatever. So I'm um, just spreading things out. Spreading the love! <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, this uh, Kill the Moon episode, yeah. Uh, it has potential <laughs> i had potential there's just a lot of problems technical pro- um i guess yeah i mean as far as um just things i don't know i mean i don't ask for a lot of science in doctor who but <laughs> just some some it's just something to wrap our heads around you know that that makes sense um i don't know i i, I guess i should just give up on that notion but but yes um i, I think uh rice pudding brain had come up with a theory that it wasn't um, you know, <laughs> at the end when 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 the the egg is laid and um and it's it's the same size moon or whatever. So we're, we're, what rice pudding brain, aka Steve, had suggested was that that this uh creature is capable of time traveling and like I said, it's it's like the salmon returning to uh to the river where it was hatched. It, 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 it actually in our eyes it seems like it happens um simultaneously, but. Or, or one, you know, um, at that time, you know, that continuously, whatever. But what actually happened was that this creature ran, uh, disappeared, came back many years later, hatching an egg. Uh, it was much bigger and uh, later eggs the same size that it was, um, you know, of the moon that it was before. It's a whole silly premise, I know. I know, but we're trying to make some sense of it. 
you know, the core question was a, a valuable question to to address, you know, and, and to explore. It's just that um, I just wish all the other trimmings around the meal were at, as tasty or as enjoyable. Um, you know, there were just lots of little little things, little nuggets that that kind of get you know, you know kind of gets under your skin. There's a like I said, great potential there, but um, just some of the things were I don't know out there. <laughs> <laughs> didn't and didn't jive um but uh, you know i with with everything else i don't even think i caught the the time factor about when um clara was, was uh making the plea for help and how that was not consistent with um the continuity of of the episode in itself so when i rewatch it again i'll pay closer attention to that which um i'm due to rewatch again i've been rewatch I, actually i've I taken a break over the holidays but I was rewatching all the episodes from this past series again and um, looking at them differently. Um, you know, I, as Kyle had mentioned in his feedback, it's, um, you know, uh, his earlier feedback when he had said it's going to be interesting going back and rewatching these episodes in the future. And now that I'm in the future, that's what I'm doing. So thank you again, Bill. Let's uh, continue on with other, other feedback. Hello, this is Dana Kincaid. I'm uh, calling from... Oh, somewhere out west in a snowstorm, driving between Indianapolis, Indiana, and Tucson, Arizona. Now you've all probably seen the Christmas special. I was just listening to uh, the post-Thanksgiving podcast, and I was wondering if you guys had noticed any similarities between, well, like I said, it's a snowstorm, but uh, Volcano Day was... Peter Capaldi's introduction to the series as the Roman. And now we've had uh, Jenna Coleman's character trying to uh, put the doctor to sleep after going to a volcano. And he wakes up supposedly on the ground and finds her throwing the TARDIS keys into the volcano. And in the Christmas special, we have two shots of him lying on the ground, uh, this time with a crab on his face um, when he wakes up and and goes to rescue uh, Jenna. So anyway, um, is the volcano thing like important? Is it a red herring? Uh, we've had uh, Kill the Moon where we had the uh, spider creatures in the um, in the caves on the moon. That didn't make any real scientific sense. We've got the North Pole with the uh, spidery crab creatures that are supposedly a dream. We've got Jenna trying to put the doctors to sleep with a sleep patch with uh, Gallifreyan symbols on it. Anyway, um, look forward to hearing your next podcast. I'm going to go back to driving in the snow, trying to get to Arizona where it's warm. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you, Dana. Interesting uh, points you bring up there. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch Fires of Pompeii. I have not seen that since um, since Peter Capaldi took the role, so it'd be interesting to uh, make some comparisons there. Um, though I, I think um, you know when we see the Doctor in uh, in the Christmas special, the last Christmas, waking up on some planet that looks volcanic. I'm not sure if it's actually in a volcano. You know where he's uh, waking up with one of those uh, sleep crabs 
on his face. I'm not sure if we are... I, I, I guess I need to rewatch that scene again. I just assumed he was on a um, on an alien planet that had... Um, but it, you're right, it did have like a volcanic look to it, but I'm not sure if, if it was just, um, a vol- you know, volcanic rocks, you know. You know, if you look at some of the classic Star Trek uh, planetscapes, uh, half the planetscapes there had volcanic rocks. Uh, <laughs> they're probably using the same material over again. So, yeah, the crabs and the spiders were, were kind of similar. You know, the spiders on the moon and, and um, you know, as far as, well, they're, they're similar as far as uh, size goes and whatever, but um, maybe it's just a coincidence. I, as I said in our review for last Christmas, it might have been interesting to see um, maybe like the first dream sequence, they, they, they were similar to the alien facehuggers. And then in the other sequences, they were maybe, if they had taken a different form, it might have been more interesting. And, it, you know, because many times you'll be dreaming something and things change in the dream. And while you're dreaming it, it just all makes sense, even though after the fact and you remember what you had dreamt, things may not make sense. And like what, you know, and, and you would go along with it in the dream. Um, but in, you know, in, in hindsight, after you're waking up, you realize, well, that makes no sense because this doesn't exist there or whatever, you know, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I had, well, I'm not going to get, I, I, I had one of those dreams last night where there was a light on in a, in a, in a room or a section of the room where, uh, there, you know, the, there is no light there, so that light couldn't have been left on. It's one of those things. But in the dream, it made sense. <laughs> anyway, there, there was more to it. it. There was actually a sci-fi element to it, but I'm not going to get into my dreams now. <laughs> I don't want to bore people and people that start analyzing my dreams. <laughs> Thank you once again, Dana, for your feedback, and um, I encourage any other listeners, if there are any parallels there between them, um, you know, the fires of Pompeii and what we're seeing in Series 8, uh, let us know. Hello, this is Andrew calling from Minnesota, uh, otherwise known as Blue Box Roadster. Actually, I'm calling from July 29th, 2009. Just finished uh, listening to Podshock 157. Uh, not bad for somebody who just... Uh, found out and discovered Podshock early in 2014. Gotta love uh, the um, ability to time travel using our wonderful blue box devices. So just kind of reporting in and uh, saying I, I quite enjoyed that Podshock, you know, and the Podshocks before. Don't want to miss a juicy tidbit, a juicy morsel of Podshock. As a matter of fact, uh, that uh, special code that uh, that um, was given for Hurricane Who worked like a charm. Now, I, perhaps we'll see you back in 2009 at Hurricane Who. I mean, who would want to miss that? Didn't even know it existed until, um, until I listened to Podshock. Learned a lot of great things with Podshock, you know. My favorite doctor um, has been Tom Baker, although I must admit, uh, based on some commentary in, in uh, Podshock, you know, Peter, or Peter Christian sounds kind of like a cool doctor. You know, I'm kind of getting turned on to him. Now, perhaps I'm just trying to blow the blood of Whovians, who knows. But uh, So I look forward to uh, getting to the present eventually, maybe 2016. Perhaps with the rate I'm going, a lot of pot shock to cover. 
So that being said, greetings from 2009, and uh, look forward to the future. Bye. Thank you once again, Andrew, a.k.a. Blue Box Roadster. See, this time I remembered. Roadster, not Blue Box Bill. <laughs> so, so you're calling from 2009, 2009. Wow. We had, in 2009, it was, um, we, we were still on the 10th Doctor. Yes, David Tennant was the Doctor. Uh, we, we had, um, 2009, I believe, was the year that we didn't have a, a, a whole series. We had, um, we had a series of specials. You know, uh, an Easter special and um, so forth, um, um, very specials throughout the year instead of um, 45-minute episodes. Obviously, it was before the, the 10th Doctor, so yeah, I'm not sure exactly when in 2009, episode 150-something of Doctor Upachak you were listening to uh, took place, but um, a lot has taken place, has, a lot has taken place since then. It's, um, well, depending on on when in 2009 that was, it's uh, uh, six or almost six years ago. So, um, interesting. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't know when you're going to be listening to this. It may be, uh, I don't know, 2016 to 2016 when you're listening to this episode and and listening to this feedback. And you probably don't know what I'm talking about because um, you probably don't remember what episode 150 whatever was but i don't know you probably do <laughs> i don't because it was so long ago and um so I, I don't i hope you went to um i'm assuming from your feedback you went to hurricane who i hope you had a good time uh it takes place uh annually to my understanding and uh, there might have been a couple of years that it didn't take place but i i think they're back on track and um so i and, and i hope you're enjoying that and um i hope you're enjoying are you, are you, I'm, I'm curious on whether or not you're up to uh, if you're watching the new Doctor Who now. If you, I'm assuming you are. You're just backtracking. You just discovered Doctor Who Podshock late, so you're going through our back catalog. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a sense that I'm really talking to you in 2009. Uh, it feels that way. Anyway, thanks for your feedback. I think that's going to round out our feedback for this episode. I want to thank everyone who took the time and effort to uh, send us your feedback and. Uh, if you want to send us your feedback, it is much appreciated. You can uh, go to podshock.net and uh, on the top there, there are tabs. Or, you know, if, you, if you're into diet soda. Now, I'm making a stupid joke, but there's a tab there for feedback. If you click on that, it will bring you to a page for the Podshock public call box. The current phone number is 206-337-4699. Now, in your case, Blue Box Roadster... You may be listening to this sometime in the future. That number may have changed. It changes from time to time. So uh, please take note of it. Uh, I urge all our listeners to go to podshock.net and check the feedback section there for the current number. Um, we are having, it works as voicemail. So if you call 206 337 4699, you can call anytime, night or day, uh, 26 hours a day, depending on, on your days. <laughs> And you can leave a message. It just works as, as voicemail. It's a U.S. phone number, so just be aware of that if you're calling from another country. Um, you know, or, you know, we don't charge you anything, and there's no charge to call the number, but whatever your carrier charges, just be aware of. 
You could also send your, you could record a voice message, a voice memo on your smartphone or on your computer and send it to feedback at podshock.net. You know, we, it is an audio podcast, so we do prefer audio feedback, but you could also type a message as well and just send it to feedback at podshock.net for our feedback. Um, I also want to um, take some time to uh, urge everyone, um, if you haven't, if you want, if you can, if it's possible, we do have a supporting subscriber program that's called Dr. Upachak, um Supporting Subscribers. Um, um, we haven't done extra shows recently since um, Sandy's. Um, you know, we should try to get some more extra content out to you as a thank you for supporting the show uh, for a small monthly fee. Uh, you do a, a tremendous, um, you, you provide tremendous support for getting these episodes out and, and continuing the show. It's, it's actually, we, we need that support now more than ever before. I, you know, we really haven't been asking in our episodes as of late, but if, if you can help, uh, it is appreciated. And to become a Pachak supporting subscriber, again, go to pachak.net and you'll find a banner ad there. You could also go to arttrap.com. And you'll find links to become a supporting subscriber. You'll get access to uh, to shows that are exclusively for supporting subscribers and other uh, content. And um, uh, sometimes we'll have contests and giveaways that we. Um, and during our live calls, we'll bump you up in the queue if you are a Podshock supporting subscriber. So um, you know, as just a thank you for helping support the show. Once again, go to Podshock.net or arttrap.com and click on the banner ad to become a Dr. Pachak supporting subscriber. So, uh, if we hadn't, if you did send in feedback and uh, we didn't mention it in the show, please uh, let us know. Um, maybe it got lost between the cracks and um, we want to get your feedback on the show, so uh, let us know. And as always, uh, Pachak, um, I mean, feedback at pachak.net is our email address. And um, thanks for all of you for listening this past year. As I said, we came back um, in October 2013 after um, picking up from the devastation of Sandy, and we've been going pretty steadily forward since then. And uh, I want to thank uh, Dave and Ian and um, Kyle and um, all our regular uh, listeners and people that are sending feedback and um, people that are supporting subscribers, and it really has made a tremendous difference. And uh, we're now forging ahead in 2015, and we got some new developments that um, hopefully will be um, underway, and we'll some um, some fun stuff ahead. So, uh, happy new year to everyone, and um, see you next time. Cheers, everyone. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Never trust gimmicky gadgets.